Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk, Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone, and I'm so glad you've joined us for our fifth podcast episode, a tiny milestone, but a milestone all the same. The response we've received from our previous episode with Patty, where we talked about in-depth about managing major life changes and transitions, has been overwhelmingly positive, and we are so thankful that you enjoyed Patty's thoughts and tips. I know we did. Uh, So this episode's focus, I feel like, is the perfect sequel to Patty's. When you go through something major in life, inevitably, the emotions from that will spill over into your workplace. Or maybe you have something major happen at work, and now you're faced with a decision to either let your initial emotional response out into the open, or just force down whatever you're feeling and go into emotionless robot mode. (laughs) Or maybe there's a happy medium. So joining me today to discuss healthy emotions in the workplace is Brenda Bertrand. Brenda finds joy in helping women take a leap of faith in work and life. She has graduate degrees in organizational and human behavior and theology and is an ordained minister, speaker, and life coach, which makes her a great person to talk about being emotionally healthy. Brenda is also a forward advisory board member and has blessed us with her insight and passion to help women in the workplace across the world. So Brenda, thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm excited to get into this topic with you. I am as well. And thank you for having me. It's always great to be with Ford. And so happy to join join this conversation. Let's, let's <laughs> jump into emotions. Um, so as I mentioned, the focus <laughs> of our conversation today is going to be about healthy emotions in the workplace. Um, and also, side note, we will also be going through this topic on the Forward blog this month. So if you want to follow along, feel free. Um, but what about this topic? I'd love to know. Um, sparked your interest in coming on here today to talk about it? Yeah, I there there's so much taboo around emotions in the workplace and in particular mm-hmm. for women and then even driving it down even further for women of faith. And as a woman of faith in um, the workplace and having worked outside of faith um, context, you know, I always always wonder, am I being appropriate? Can I bring my full self to this space? Um, and women that I coach, women that I work with, colleagues, friends, sisters, they, they're always asking that question. I, you know, I cried today. Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose all my credibility. Or I got angry today or got excited. And I wonder what will they think? And so there's this constant question that hovers over our heads um, as it relates to emotions, as it relates to our performance. Is, are we enough? Are we, are we good enough? Are we able to bring ourselves to this space? And is it dangerous to do so? And so I find this topic to be an enduring topic. Every woman and man um, are are wondering how much of myself can I bring to a space and how does it impact my forward movement and relationships within a work context and emotions that that's one of the top um, topics around our own self-awareness in the workspace. So that's why I'm interested because it is a felt human experience and um, we often put the terms bad and associate badness or this is wrong. Um, with emotions. And so I want to really come and reimagine, reframe that. Where do you think the, the kind of bad outlook or bad reputation, maybe even of showing emotion in the workplace came from? You know, it started at home mm. as kids, you know, it's just children, you know, okay, you're going outside, be good. Um, don't yell at Tommy, don't steal anyone's lunch. Um, Keep your knees together. Um, speak to when you're spoken to. Don't let them see you cry. Um, don't get angry. So we had a lot of, of mm-hmm. um, conditioning around what's the right way to behave <laughs> and that our behavior would somehow reflect poorly on our family or that we would be disciplined or, you know, so we were conditioned from a very young age in general, but in particular, girls are conditioned that a good girl does you know, does these particular things and a bad girl does these other things. Mm -hmm. So you're not assertive. You don't, don't stand out. Um, You don't cry because then you look weak, but then you're not too strong because then you seem like you're um, Mm -hmm. trying to be a man. So there's, there's a lot of dualism, duality in what it means to be a good girl. And that translates into the way we see ourselves on TV, on social media, in culture. And then it shows Mm -hmm. up at work. Um, a woman who is quote unquote feminine is seen a certain way. A woman who cries is 
seen a certain way. A woman who's strong is seen a certain way. And so we're constantly doing this dance of being the good girl so that we don't get in trouble and that we don't embarrass ourselves or our family yeah. or whatever. It's, it's, it continues from, from childhood. So are emotions bad then in the workplace or is there any space for them at all? Absolutely. They are not bad. They, they're mm. necessary and they're, they're um, organic. You know, emotions are happening all the time. People cry, men and women at work, there's joy, there's sadness, there's frustration, there's anger, there's passion, there's there's happiness, there's anxiety, there's self-doubt, there's pride when we do something well. So emotions are happening um, all around. Um, we're experiencing them firsthand and we're also observing it, observing emotions in others, right? And since we spend the majority of our day in these spaces and we are working across differences, age different, generational differences, cultural differences, personality differences, work styles, expectations, we're trying to negotiate um, you know, projects and, and trying to meet goals and objectives, emotions are going to run yeah. amok <laughs> and because we're, we're human. And so some are going to be termed good emotions. Some are going to be termed bad emotions, but in reality, all emotions are natural. Um, so it's not so much, are they good or bad? It's how do we emote them and how are we self-aware and, and aware of our context so that we are bringing our best self and dealing with what needs to be dealt with in the moment. And sometimes emotions, when they get in front of the objective, that's when they can be seen as, as bad. Um, and we'll talk about that in greater detail. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure, oh, yeah. So I have a feeling we have a lot of women listening today that have had a quote unquote crying in the bathroom situation at work. Oh, yeah. My yeah, so like either literally or maybe figuratively. So like you said, your hands up. So uh, can you share with us maybe any times where you've been in that situation? Yeah, absolutely. I remember it was several years ago, I was working in um, a huge organization had just started. I was super excited, bright eyes, you know, bushy tail. And um, I was coming into work and I was so excited to be there. So there's my emotion, right? Mm -hmm. Excited. Um, and so I opened up my email one day, came in in the morning. I'm like, I'm changing the world. This is going to be great. And I opened my email and there was an email from my direct supervisor that was not supposed to come to my oh. inbox. <laughs> and it was about, <laughs> yeah. So I came in excited, oh. ready to change the world. That was my first emotion. I opened my email, saw an, an email from my supervisor, thought, oh, this is going to be maybe, you know, some sort of directive or whatever. I open it up and it's, it says basically, wow, we've got a really excited one here. She thinks she's going to change the world. Wait until she finds out the reality of this place. And, you know, we'll, you know, simmer, she'll simmer down and her little fire will get quenched. And I went from excited to be there to disillusioned, sad. I mean, I literally could feel my body temperature changing. Oh. Um, I, I went from emotional, um, emotionally um, excited to, to upset, to disappointed, to shocked, to feeling betrayed. Had a million emotions all in that moment. And they were all natural and they all made sense. I was triggered and I was having a response. But then I would have to see that person mm. later. I couldn't stay in my office, right? I could. <laughs> and so that was a, that was a literally, so we were downtown. It was a, I didn't go to the bathroom because I was just like, I could bump into yeah. this person in the right. bathroom. And so I went downstairs. I could feel like, I could feel the tears just rising, you know? And I just went outside and, and took a walk and I had to create some space between the stimuli and my response, if, especially if I were to interact with this person. And so... Um, yeah, so you can see in that one instance, I went through like 10 different emotions, but crying in the bathroom is actually a healthy way of, of creating a safe space where you can hold your emotions and feel them deeply and truly and honestly and authentically, but also give yourself space to refuel, to go back into the context that triggered you in the first place. So I really encourage women, and we'll talk about this more, that yeah, I've had it. I've cried in the bathroom. I'm sure everyone can can say they've had their bathroom or walk in the park or their car experience. And it's actually a healthy way of taking care of yourself before you have to take care of business. Well, and the fact that you, I mean, I don't know if you're, you know, word for word reciting the email, but the fact that you remember that much of it, I mean, that shows that that really affected you. So, I mean, how 
how can somebody who's in that situation currently, or maybe they've been in it and, you know, like you, they just can't get past it or, you know, they're past it, but maybe there's like a little bit that's hanging on. Like, how do you move on from something like that? Like, do you bring it up to your boss? Do you just kind of push it down? Um, you know, if it's a coworker, do you confront them? Do you go to HR? Like, you know, what, what would you suggest somebody do if they're in that situation? Yeah. And I, and I really encourage women to, to think about what is the specific situation. So in my case, I'm not going to resign my position. I saw an email. I'm not going to necessarily walk into her office and confront her. So, so I'm really creating space to see, okay, am I going to take care of myself or am I going to take charge? And that's something a friend of mine, Karen Laos, uh, talks about. And we've had this conversation. There are two opportunities here and both of them may happen or one may happen and the other may not in that context. So I encourage women to really look at the situation and say, what's the priority? The priority is always to take care of yourself, always. And that's my walk in the park or it's going in the bathroom and taking care of yourself. It's texting a friend and saying something just happened. Can you keep me in prayer? It's going before the Lord and saying, God, this really hurts. And I ask you to hold me as I walk through this day. And and I'm looking forward to processing with you in prayer or to process with a family or member. But then you can also take charge. In this case, I decided um, in a year, will this matter? I always ask women to consider mm-hmm. in a year, will this matter? And it's like, you know what? It won't, it won't, it would, yeah. in a year, I won't, it was, it won't matter. It, it, it's helpful in this conversation to bring it up. But in that context, do I need to take charge? Is, 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 do I need to do something to stand up for myself or to, to protect myself? And in this case, no, um, nothing explicit. There was, there was no explicit action that needed to take place. So I encourage women to look at these, the situation, always take care of yourself, take some time away, do some deep breathing, et cetera, and then determine, do I need to take charge? And a good question is in a year from now, will this matter? And in that case, it didn't. For others, yes, it will matter. It will matter for you. It will matter for the experience of other women in the workplace. So maybe you do need to move it up. Maybe you do need to start a paper trail. Maybe you do need to bring it to your supervisor. Maybe you do need to get some outside advice and help in how to live, how to make this livable. So I really encourage people to focus in on taking care and taking charge and then to to take concrete action um, based on on what's the best next step for them and for, for others in that situation. So when you're faced with a situation at work that instantly sparks that emotional reaction, kind of like what we were just talking about, um, you maybe you're sad, you're angry, disgusted, you know, whatever. Um, how do you keep from having a knee jerk reaction um, and kind of making that mistake that we were talking about before? Like, you know, let's say well, yeah. maybe you do have that knee jerk reaction. <laughs> um how do you recover from that? Like, let's say you do some damage and now you're going, oh, okay, maybe I should have done what you yeah, suggested and really think yeah. about, well, you know, I matter think in a it's year. important for, for us to just like normalize that having some sort of emotional outburst is quite, quite normal. You know, we may not, everyone may not see it, but it's, it's, it's normative. It's normal to have a reaction that sometimes isn't the most gracious. Uh, it happens all the time. When it's you, it's not as fun. But um, and so I, there's little statements that people can say, especially right. if in this context. Let's just pretend that that you're it's happening with other people present. So you have an audience while you're not at what you would call your best. Um, a simple statement as, "Well, it's obvious I feel deeply about this," and then you just you stop, right? So it's it's obvious I, I have deep passions about this topic, or it's obvious that I, I'm concerned that the direction we're going is not the best one. So, um, so while I, I want to continue in, 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 in contributing to this conversation, I'm just going to take a moment to, to think, and then I'll jump back in. Um, or you may just say, you know, I think I may just need a moment. Um, and then I'll, I'll return to this or let's take a break. And, and let's come back. It just depends on what seat. Are you sitting in a position of leading a meeting or leading a conversation? Or are you in a more casual conversation? So I think naming, naming what you're feeling at the moment 
from a perspective, a business perspective. So you're not talking about your feelings and kind of getting into a vortex of, I really feel awful and I can't believe you all did this and I, I feel betrayed. Like we're not talking about your feelings. We're just naming that there's an emotion present and then we're getting back to business. Um, and so I encourage people to do that. Um, it, there's nothing wrong with saying the stating the obvious, you know, um, not stating it while you have tears flowing down your face then people feel like they have to speak for you. Um, and so I, again, that's a taking charge. That's women finding their voice, um, mm. women um, being able to assert themselves even when they feel like they've made a mistake because you can always undo a, a mistake, right? Um, so I would really encourage women in that moment to have a statement that they say um, that enables them to go take care of themselves or to take charge. Um, and so you're, what's important here though, and I'll, I'll end with this, is that you're separating your how you feel and talking about that and into what's happening and why it's important. So you're taking charge versus turning it into a counseling session where people feel they have to take care of you. You take care of you. You take charge. And then later on, you can say, this is how I felt. And this is, <laughs> um, so yeah, I hope that, that, that brings some clarification. And that's really a power stance and being able to say, it's obvious that I'm really, um, I'm really passionate about this topic, or it's obvious that I'm really concerned with the direction we're taking. So, um, so I just want to name that and let's, let's move on. Well, and let me add even another layer to this. <laughs> so let's say you're a leader or in some kind of a leadership position and you have some people within the group, maybe that there is some, let's be nice friction, <laughs> um, you know, maybe some drama, how do you kind of become a mediator then in that situation without maybe, you know, taking sides or like absorbing some of that emotion that's going on? Like, how do you really keep yourself a neutral party and really kind of bring healthy emotional balance back <laughs> to the team? So we always, I encourage women sure. to start their, their day in prayer in terms of visualizing and giving to God their schedule. So you know you're going into a meeting that day. It's not a surprise, not like you show up and it's like, oh, I'm leading a meeting today. Or maybe it is, but in the mornings or on your commute, we're saying, God, I have this meeting with these individuals. There are particular dynamics here and I need your wisdom. I pray the prayer of Solomon. God, I ask you for wisdom. I ask you for discernment. I ask you for a tongue that is sharp and is that is ready, that, that knows what to do in the moment. And so I wanted to just frame that first because we can, we can imagine, we can pray through a scenario that we are very familiar with before we're actually in it. Okay, so this woman has prayed. <laughs> she's imagined this meeting. She knows the personalities that are gonna be around the table and now she's actually there, right? And so again, it's back to taking care, taking charge. In that, in that space, she's taking care of the environment and she's taking charge to make sure that environment stays the healthiest place for others. So friction starts to happen and she says, okay, let's pause everyone. I hear you. So she just puts up the, let's take a pause. I hear you. I hear everyone. Let's take a moment. It sounds like there's a lot of passion around this subject. It sounds like there's a lot of um, different opinions around this topic. Let's return back to the goal at hand. So Again, it's acknowledging and naming what's happening in the room, not pretending like it's not happening. And then it's taking charge and saying, let's get back to our original intent. And so I hear you. This sounds like it's a pretty emotive, you know, a pretty intense um, conversation. We have a lot of differing opinions. What I'm hearing is this and that. So you're, you're reflecting back what you're hearing from one side. I'm also hearing such and such. Let's see how we can get back to our plan to make the decision about the budget, et cetera. And naming that and taking charge is the role of the person at the head of the table, right? And so it, there's a courage and there's a compassion that's happening at the same time. I'm courageously saying we're having a hard time. And then with compassion, I'm saying, um, I hear what you're doing and, I, and we need to move forward. You can also say something like, it sounds like we have a lot of strong opinions about this. Let's take a break. We'll be back in five minutes. When we return, we're gonna re, re um, reconnect over the topic at hand. Or one last option, just giving different options. The last option I'll give is, it sounds like we're really, um, we're really passionate about this topic. What I'm hearing is thus so and the other. Um, let's do this. It seems like 
there are some conversations that need to happen offline. Let's take those conversations offline and let's come back to the topic at hand. Let's, let's get, we have five minutes to make this decision. Let's do that and we'll keep the, the offline conversations um, for after the meeting is over. So again, taking care of what needs to happen, naming it, and then taking charge so that you're moving towards an objective. And that's where emotions in the workplace, we start to realize, okay, I'm feeling my feelings. I'm in all of my feelings, but I still have a job to get done. So how can I name what I'm feeling and be open to it? And at the same time, get back to, to doing the work that I need to do. So, I mean, it, you've said this pretty much the whole time. I mean, emotions have a place in the workplace. I mean, they should not be just pushed down, but I feel like at least, especially for women, um, you know, and, and honestly, maybe there is some of this among men too, but you know, with women, I feel yeah. like we've just been only well, maybe almost typecast or I don't even know the yeah, right word, absolutely. but you absolutely. know, just, Oh, you know, if, if I'm too emotional that I'm yep. being too much of a woman, you yep. know, or, yep. Oh, they're not going to take me seriously anymore. Yes. So, you know, it, it is this like big battle. I feel like almost mm -hmm. where, you know, you, you can either be authentic and be yourself and, and show your emotion, even though that might end up being a little too much emotion, but then at least you're being you or, you know, you become this emotional robot or emotionless robot, <laughs> excuse me. And, you know, you just kind of shove everything down and just put your head down, get your work done, get out. And then you can be, you know, emotional you. So do we, do we really need to pick a side like that? Or is there, is there a right balance that we should be striving for? Yeah. So I think the balance and that word can also be a trigger for women, right? It's like you, you balance right. it. It's like yes. really is balance <laughs> even possible with children and, right. and, and all the other duties. So I would, I would invite us to look at this as, um, as creating spaces where we know we've planned spaces where we can emote in ways that are unfiltered. So the workplace may, for some, some people have like incredible relationships with their teams, their supervisors, and there's unfiltered emotions happening all over the place. And in that context, you may not need to create a support system that holds you in ways that are supportive, right? But I would say that for everything, there's a season, there's a time, there's a time to cry, there's a time to mourn, there's a time to laugh. And and at work, crying all day, every day, it's not the time for that. It's not the space for that. But if it happens, then it is the time for that. You, you see what I'm saying? So I encourage people to create spaces where they can have unfiltered um, emotional outbursts and be emotive. When they're at work, they can text that person. <laughs> they can call that person. They can they need to release those emotions. They can go in the bathroom and cry. They can pray. They have to plan. This is my plan when I am going to just fall apart. Um, and then they come back to the space renewed, refreshed, or at least with a little oxygen so that they can make it to lunch or to the end of the day. So <laughs> doing the robotic thing, actually, it's another typecast, you know, so there are women who are emotionless, mm. there are women mm -hmm. who, and we have names for that, unfortunately. And then there are the women who is like the crying Annie, like, you know, if you say boo, she cries. If you tell her, you know, give her feedback, she cries. Um, and so these are actually extremities. They're extremities, um, extremities versus actually the middle, which is we have spaces where we, we um, emote. We have spaces where we emote without filter and we know what the difference is. And so someone who is living on either side is actually doing harm to themselves and to the to their image at the workplace um, because someone who's over emotional all the time or under emotional, they're actually abnormal. It's, it's abnormal. <laughs> it's abnormal. So I want to invite mm -hmm. women to accept that emotions are, are, are real, that we're all feeling them, male, female, um, that there are times when you will emote and and that emotion whether it's suppressing it or over-emoting is going to be typecasted. And what you get to do is really share who you are over a sustained amount of time. And that one incident, although it may have an impact on your image or your career, 
you still have space to show the fullness of who you are um, if you continue to walk in that, what we call balance of showing the fullness of who you are. I think this is this question that you ask is so timely um, because we're afraid of what people think. And the, the truth is one incident in the workplace should not, we hope, typecast you for your entire career. It may for a week be something that you're kind of like, oh, I've got to go back in and they're, they're going to remember this. But after a while, so much happens in the workplace that people aren't taking one incident. It's when we are consistently one thing. That's what people believe. People believe consistency. Um, and, and so I encourage people to not have the extremes. And I hope that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, and, you know, and in the workplace, like you said, I mean, maybe for three weeks, they're going to remember that, but things happen all the time in the workplace. So you have that opportunity to kind of have that erased and the next big thing will happen and you'll just be able to move on. And, you know, and you always have opportunities to kind of reinforce your, your authenticity and, um, you know, just your credibility. Yeah, people too, believe consistency. So if you're crying all the time, they believe that. Right. If you're angry all the time, they believe that. If you're robotic right. all the time, they believe that. If you have one incident, you're going to remember it longer than people are because they've moved on to the next incident. Everyone's taking turns of showing up well or showing up badly. <laughs> so, so the extremes, I think, are the places right. where people may need greater help or coaching or support in showing up in a more holistic sense. And people are forgetting. People are on on to the next, you know, rumor mill or gossip or incident. And it's if it's not your turn today, it's someone else's turn. So I encourage that. Right. Yes. Outside of work, um, we are all going to have things that come up that we didn't necessarily anticipate. So you know, maybe a loved one unexpectedly passes away. Um, you know, maybe we have. Um, a friend that we've had a falling out with, maybe we have a child who's sick, maybe they're not doing well in school. Um, how do you separate yourself from that outside emotion? Keep it on pause and then go to work. Um, you know, or, so or you is know what that I'm gonna say, Jordan, the right or healthy option? The option that we are encouraging yes. <laughs> to move towards is integration. It's like saying, all right, Jordan, you're going into your, you know, mm -hmm. your job. I want you to pause your faith and go to work, right? We would never tell a woman to pause her faith. We may say mm -hmm. there are tools mm -hmm. and skills and behaviors that you get to learn or unlearn so that you can integrate your faith into the work that you do. And it's the same with emotions. We don't want you checking anything at the door. We don't want you pausing. We don't want you swallowing and waiting to exhale like eight hours. I can be myself at the end of the day. Um, Imagine a mother dropping off her child to school and then getting a phone call that the baby's sick or the child is sick. Like, how can I say, you, pause that and get to work? So what we do, the integration process right. is yeah. creating our support systems of where we're taking care of ourselves. Yeah, we're not going to come to work and have a T-shirt that says, my child is sick, so don't talk to me today. But we may, have, I'm not going to get any work done, but I'm here. My <laughs> child is sick. But we may tell one person, we may tell our supervisor, just so you know, um, I'm having um, a personal situation at home. So I may be on the phone a little more. I may leave the meeting if, the, if I get a particular phone call and I may just need um, some, some particular, some space. I may leave early. So we're taking care of ourselves and we're taking charge by telling them, that today is going to be different. Again, back to the consistency. Today, I'm going to need space, more space. Today, I may not be able to sit in the meeting fully without being interrupted by a phone call. Today, I may, um, uh, I may be a little different, and I just want you to know, to know that um, I don't need anything from you. I just want to make you aware. Um, and so we're not pausing anything. We're holding it in faith. We've given our child over to the Lord. Um, we've given our, our feeling of hopelessness and that duplicity of feeling like I should be with them versus being at work. We give all of the guilt and shame over to Jesus and we deal with it when it comes up. Um, we deal with emotions when they come. We don't suppress them. We don't put them on the back burner. We deal with them when they come and create 
a support system so that you can reach out to that one or two friends at work or outside of work and say, I'm really struggling today. Can you keep me in prayer? I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to take a breath. So no, I, I, I don't believe in, in, um, in that, that I don't even think it's possible to now shut down the reality of our lives and then go to work and put on robot mode. Um, I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's a good practice. I don't think it's something we want to teach our children. I don't think it's something we want to teach our young girls um, to create this alter ego where you have no emotion so that you can make it through the day. We want to teach them healthy ways to deal with emotions when they come up so that they can get the job done and then go home and, and or go back to the family or whatever and deal with, with it in more specific ways. You've brought, you've talked about this now twice. I I do want to get your thoughts on this. So, excuse me, we've had a couple of times now where you've said, you know, we've been conditioned or we've, we've taught our children this. So do you have any tips or suggestions for parents that have children that are still young enough? Um, you know, and and maybe even if you have old adult children (laughs) like me, um, you know, maybe, you know, we still have a chance to kind of maybe fix this thing that we've perpetuated with them. Um, so do you have any advice for somebody in that position? Absolutely. Yes. And we can do this with children and with each other. We can practice, women can practice this with each other. Number one, I want us to look our daughters, our nieces are, you know, in the face and say, you know, how you you've been made your your personality it's beautiful and it's you and it's unique and there there's nothing wrong with it i celebrate that you are someone who is more sensitive that you feel deeply you feel other people's feelings you can pick up and there's some people they can walk into a room and they can pick up every feeling of sadness or joy and they take it on themselves i see that about you i see who you are and i and i get it and that's beautiful So I think starting with just that affirmation of, wow, I love that you are sensitive. I love that you are a very strong and resilient person in the midst of of chaos. I love how you're able to just hold and ground yourself um, in in the midst of, of an emotionally charged environment. So first affirming who people, who they are, not affirming the dysfunction, but affirming the makeup, right? So that's number one. I would say start affirming them. and then number two, I would say moving beyond that, if in, in a situation, let's say a, a, a girl is, is in a classroom and someone takes her toy and she's like, Rah! <laughs> and you're able to, <laughs> which is, you know, which will happen oh, yeah. for boys and girls, oh, yeah. then it's, it's saying, okay, it looks like you're, you're really upset right now. What are you feeling right now? So teaching our girls to acknowledge their feelings and to name it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm upset. Why? Why are you upset? Because Johnny took my toy. Well, you know, um, what 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 upsets you about that? And getting them to have conversation about their emotions versus saying, "I'm in a classroom and I shouldn't do that." Well, she does know, and she will know from her teacher that there are spaces where you can't just, you know, <laughs> hop, take the the room hostage. She'll learn those behaviors. That's the, that's number three. We'll get to that. But number two, after we affirm who we are and how we're made is being able to name what they're feeling and what they need, what they think they need. So what are you feeling? What, what is it that you want? What do you need right now? And they're able to name it. It's not necessarily they're going to get it, <laughs> but they're able to name it. Um, and that's important for self-awareness because all this entire conversation we're having right now, Jordan, is about self-awareness mm-hmm. is what am I feeling? What do I need? And can I get that here and now? And, and that's where the next step, the next step is, okay, well, honey, you're in a classroom and here's what happened in classrooms. You share things, you take turns. Um, if you're upset with Johnny, you can, you can say that in your mind that you're upset. And then you can say, Hey, Johnny, you know, I didn't have enough time, but here's the toy because it's just the right thing to do. That sometimes you make decisions, not because it's what you want, but because it's what's appropriate to this context. So number one, I'm aware that you're you're fashioned and formed in this way, and it's beautiful. Number two, do you know what's happening in you? Can you name it? Can you say what you think you need in this moment? And then number three, let's be aware of others. So you're self-aware. Now let's be other aware, contextually aware that in this moment, 
I can't have a hissy fit for that last for five minutes. I can't snatch the toy from every kid. This is the context. And then the last part is really saying, and then there are spaces, honey, daughter, sweetie, there are spaces where you can come home and we can talk about it. We can, we can process it. And that works for women. It works for men. It works for children. You're wonderful the way you're made. Are you able to notice your emotion in a moment and, and assess what's happening to you and taking care of yourself? Then next, you've got to be aware that you're not living in a vacuum. How do you hold your emotions while holding the need and the, the, the importance of that moment? What has to happen in that moment for others? And then lastly, there'll be a space where you can come home and be your unfiltered self and you can cry for 10 hours if you want. Um, so that's how I would encourage people to, to encourage their daughters, their, their sons and each other. Um, before we jump into the listener questions, and we got a lot of really good ones, I wanted to highlight just for a second and just kind of get your thoughts again on, you know, we've talked about women dealing with emotions in the workplace yeah. and finding a healthy balance. What about the guys? I mean, do they have this battle or do they kind of get away with it and oh, not have to deal with let it? Me tell or... you, let me tell you about yeah. it. <laughs> so let's, let's, this is important. And uh, let's let's frame this. So, so women, um, of course, we're making 70 something cents on the dollar that men are making. Right. We are. There are fewer women in the C-suite. There are fewer women visibly in, in middle management. There are fewer um women in leadership across the board. Um, the workplace typically, not everywhere, is male centric. Okay. And so so what's normative, what's what's normal is what the man in the suit does, not what a woman does, because that they're the ones in front. And so we've got to realize that a lot of this conversation around emotion is women seem abnormal because they're 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 less they're not, they're, they're the only one in the room. So if you're the only one in the room, you're already standing mm -hmm. out, yeah. right? And then if you seem like a little teary, then they're like, oh, she's doing the woman thing and she's the only one in the room. So the, the attention can be on her. Now, men, men, if they're leading the workplace, which they are, and they have certain advantages that we don't have, that we're still fighting for, fighting for pay equity, fighting for all those equities, they actually, anger is something that is often, expressed in a boardroom, in a meeting room, and usually by typically by men. But because mm. they all do it, it's normative. It's normative for a man to shut someone down. It's normative for, we call it mans, uh, mansplaining now, or he's he, he mm -hmm. now where it's normative for, for that competitive space of, you know, taking each other's ideas or asserting themselves, right? So if a man asserts himself, it's normal. If a woman asserts herself, it's abnormal. If a man has some an emotion, uh, an anger, uh, or some sort of trigger, it's normal. And they get over it fast and easy. And they just, you know, punch each other on the shoulder and it's done. It's different when a woman expresses emotions. So so men are experiencing emotions all the time. I can tell you men are crying, <laughs> uh, frustrating, frustrated, um, angry, um, getting ticked off, you know, and, and emoting in ways that are very inappropriate. And we just think, oh, he's a man, he's a leader, he's an alpha. We've put a positive spin on that emotion or emoting when it is done from a male perspective versus when it's done from a woman perspective. So we are all human beings. We are with emotions, but boys have been taught not to cry. So you will rarely see a man crying in a um, in the work context because they have been conditioned not to do that. It's not okay. Um, and so they have their own struggles and they need their own podcasts on emotions <laughs> and, and, and how, to, how to deal with it and how to manage it in ways that are helpful and life-giving for themselves and for others. And um, they also have networks. They have ways of dealing with their emotions. They have ways of dealing with the fight or flight. Um, and they are also um, rewarded for being assertive and taking charge, which sometimes can just be controlling and ang control and anger, but we have terms for it when men do it. When women do it, we have different terms. So again, it's a cultural bias, but we're all human beings having an emotional experience. And I can tell you if a man is fired today, um, he's gonna have an emotional outburst. 
whether it's in front of in mm-hmm. front of that person or it's at home or it's in his car or it's at the bar, he's going to have an emotional outburst. Um, in the workplace, his, his emotions are normative and outside of it, you know, again, he's finding his spaces where he can do that and how he does that. So men are not off the hook. They have emotions and those of those of us <laughs> who are in relationships with them, you know, as siblings or as, as um, husbands or whatever, we see it. We, we get it. When they come home, we hear it. We see it. So we asked our listeners, as we always do, for some questions they have or maybe some situations they're dealing with regarding emotions in the workplace, just in general. So I would love to have you go over some of those with me and just kind of share your thoughts. Um, and the first one that I have is a situation that someone named Molly um, sent in to us. And she said that something she struggles with is being very sensitive and not being able to hold back the tears at work if they start. Um, so what would your advice be to somebody who is naturally very emotional like that? And I feel like this might also continue on the conversation about what you're talking about with guys. You know, what, what if, what if you're a guy and you're very emotional? Um, you know, maybe what does that look like for both genders? Yeah. So Molly, thank you for your question. I, I would say a couple things here. One, um, I love teaching people how to breathe. I know it's really funny, but, um, what happens is when 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 we are triggered, our amygdala, you know, that part of our brain that, that says, okay, I need to fight, fight and defend myself, you know, it's a survival um, response, or I need to get away, I need to run, right? And some people, mm-hmm. they, they do one or the other. And in Molly's case, it seems like she stands in the situation and tears are the way she, she responds. So I would encourage her to, to really practice a breathing, a taking a deep breath. She knows in her body when she's about to fight or fly and the, the tears are coming. And so really slowing herself down um, and even saying, because her mind is saying, you're not safe. Something's wrong. You're, you're being harmed. Just, I'm, I'm okay. Just breathe. You're okay. You're okay. It's that soothing what mom does when we're when we're hyperventilating, you know. So it's it's the same. Mm-hmm. It's the same comfort. You're okay. You're okay. And you just take some breath, breathe. It's the same thing mom does when we are when we're hyperventilating and we're we're out of control. So I want to encourage you, Molly, to to really and all of us to practice breathing. Even the counting to ten is a is a great technique. Um, mm. And it slows you down because your amygdala is saying there's a big lion or a bear or something coming after you and you need to get into this mode of protect- protection. And really, we can just say, I'm thankful God is with me. I'm okay. Breathe, breathe, count to 10. And so I, w- I would encourage Molly to do that. Um, the second thing that I would encourage um, for anyone who's, who's sensitive and, and it, it manifests itself in kind of the tears and when they start, they can't stop. I want to encourage you and I want to challenge the, the, the idea that you are out of control and that once you start to cry, you can't stop. Mm. Um, I really want to challenge that and invite you not to say that there's something wrong because there isn't. You're a beautiful, sensitive person and, and, and you're able to feel deeply and that's important. And yet you have the opportunity to determine um, how how long it goes. Because a person who says, I can't hold back the tears, it may not be 100% accurate because at some point those tears do stop. And so learning what are the ways that I, I'm able to self-soothe, that I'm able to stop, um, and then creating a habit of saying, I, I am strong, I can feel deeply without, without um feeling out of control. I can, I am, I am in control of how long I let this go. And that's really an unlearning. Sometimes we learn certain behaviors. And so now we're more in a, in a mode of ha- habitual emoting than we are in really standing in our, in our own power and saying, wow, I, I feel really deeply right now. And I'm going to, I'm going to stop crying and I'm going to go take a breath. I'm going to calm myself down. I'm okay. And I'm going to come back to the situation. So Molly, you are strong. Everyone who's hearing this, you are, your sensitivity is beautiful. Um, but being able to move to that next step of your development where you get the techniques, breathing, self-talk, prayer, and actually letting yourself stop is, is your next level of development. Unlearning the habit of feeling that you are out of control and that you can't stop because you actually are in more control than you think you are. 
another issue that was brought up comes from Katie, who says that she struggles with knowing when to share about something that she's going through. Um, yeah, so what would I you say to her about that? Every human being needs like three different spaces and especially people of faith. I really encourage there to be journaling prayer. So the, these spaces I'll mention in three different ways is that spiritual space, right? So your connection with God, um, that if you're struggling with something and you don't want to share it with anyone yet, the first and most important place is journaling and sharing with God, God, this is on my mind, God, this is on my mind and, and journaling it out or praying it out or sitting in silence, whatever your spiritual practice looks like, that you are actually placing your, casting your cares upon God because God cares for you. Um, putting, knowing there's a space for your struggles um, and your laments and, and really focusing on that, that, that you can share this with someone and, and it's, it's the ultimate someone, right? That we get to share it with God. The second area is that we have safe spaces again, where we can be unfiltered. So you may say to your friend or your best friend, there's something going on, I can't share it right now. But at some point I do, I, I, I'm going to just need a listening ear. You find the best listener in your life and you say, okay, I, I want to share this with you. And, and choosing when is really when you have deep dived, you have deep dived into your own self-awareness. This is what's happened. This is what I feel. This is what I need. Going back to what we're teaching our girls. So you become share, a, a self-sharer, self-aware, taking care of yourself. And you'll know when you're ready to share it with someone else or if you don't need to take it to the next level. So sharing it with the Lord, that's the safest space ever. Really getting self-aware for yourself on, 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 on how you're feeling and what parts of it you need to share, if any. Having that trusted listener, someone that you know, they, that you don't have to tell them right away, but you can tell them, I will need you and, and I'm going to do that. And then at work, everyone at work should have someone that they can say, oh, girl, we need a bathroom break. I, I need to, to talk to you. The when, so Katie's question, you can tell in your body, connecting with your body, you know when you need to let something go. Some people actually imagine in their minds taking their problem, putting it in a box or throwing it into the ocean. Um, and then sometimes you just know, okay, I can't hold this alone. I have to tell someone. I'm feeling the burden of this in ways that are not light and they're not easy. God's burden is light and his weight is easy. And so you can feel in your body when you need to share, when you need help carrying something. Um, and I encourage us to, to be more attentive to our, to, our, to our felt needs physically and emotionally. The last situation I'd like to get your thoughts on is about emotions or situations that you shouldn't bring to work one of them being something going on with your kids. And we had somebody um, submit this as an issue that she was struggling with also. Um, and I know we've talked about it a little bit previously, um, but just kind of wanted to see, is there anything else you wanted to share? Um, you know, just to kind of encourage anybody who's maybe living this situation yeah. and just doesn't yeah. really know, you know, how much do I actually bring to the table when I come to work? You know, it's so important to, um, to acknowledge that it is difficult to leave personal matters at home and work matters at work. I, we, we struggle with that, the B word, the balance, right? It's there's something at home, how you're, you're going to carry it with you. So let's just go ahead and, and give ourselves permission to say, I'm not going to leave this matter at home. I think that's going to be the first big, important place of just of having peace. The peace is I take my whole self to work. And I'm bringing my sick child with me or my, my situation at home or the financial matter or the stressors or whatever. I'm, I'm bringing it with me, but I'm not plopping it down in the middle of my cubicle and putting it in the middle of the lunch, the cafeteria. I'm, I'm taking it with me and I'm God is holding me and that situation. And I'm not going to just throw it in the middle of the of, of my workplace. And so this is really a self-awareness and, and technique that is unlearning behavior is how can I be my full self without making one situation the center of my day? And that you can pray during your commute and say, God, I'm going to work. I'm carrying my, my, my sick child with me in my heart. I'm thinking about her or him. And I just pray that as I go into work, you help me to remember them while being focused. And when I become unfocused, I'm going to take some breaks and take care of myself. But um, I would encourage us to do that. Um, to use our commute as a time to do that. 
Um, I would also say, again, this, this sense of um, having people at work or on text or, or wherever where you can say, wow, I'm really struggling at work right now. Can you can you keep me in prayer? Uh, can I just call you for two seconds and just emote for a minute because I need to go back to a meeting? Um, the, the key here is, am I taking a situation from home and plopping it in the middle of my workplace where it becomes the focus? Or am I taking it with me? I hold it with me. And at the same time I'm holding it, I'm actually focusing on the task at hand. The task at hand that I can control is the work I'm doing. The task that I can't control that's important to me is my child at home. And so being able to make that distinction, I think, is important. Um, so when we get distracted, just say, I can't control that right now. I can't make his fever go down right now. Um, so I trust that God's taking care of him. And I focus on the task at hand. So it's a task at hand versus the task that or the thing that we're concerned about. And being able to do that is, is a learned task. It's something that we learn. <laughs> and it's something actually that we, we have to unlearn, unlearn, not letting one situation be the center of our, of our attention. Well, before we go, is there anything else you'd like to say about emotions in the workplace and how to be authentic without oversharing? Yeah, I, I just want us to accept that we are emotional beings. Um, that one situation, if you've cried in, in front of your coworkers, um, that that one situation does not define your career. It does not define your identity unless you do it all the time. So consistency is the place of 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 clarity. That's the place of balance. Is to consistently show up as a person who takes care of themselves in the moment, whatever that looks like, running to the bathroom and also takes charge of their image, takes charge of, of, of being an authentic woman who is uniquely and beautifully designed and that can also integrate um, your whole self while getting your, your job done and doing it well. So um, we believe in you here at Forward Women. If there are any ways that we can support you in showing up as, as yourself, and um, that is, that is, that's what we're here for. And so um, that's it. Take care, take charge. We're glad you joined us for this conversation about healthy emotions in the workplace and how to promote a balance that supports your emotional health and allows you to be authentic. For more information about this episode's guest and to access the links mentioned, please visit our website, forwardwomen.org. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N.org. And then click on the podcast graphic on our homepage. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth.